Good morning. Let me welcome you to Pittman Park United Methodist Church as we gather for worship online once again. This is Easter Sunday. It is the tradition for years and years that the church greeted each other and still does with the words, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And so let me speak the first part of that phrase and you join me on the second. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. Christ, Christ is, is risen. risen. Christ, Christ is, is risen, risen indeed. indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Christ has risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. It's risen. Christ is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Christ has risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ, Christ is risen. He, he is, is risen indeed. indeed. It is risen. He has risen indeed. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed.
The Apostles' Creed is an ancient statement of faith. Please join me and let's recite it together this Easter day. I believe in God the Father Almighty. 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 I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. The third day he rose from the dead. The third day he arose from the dead. The third day he rose from the dead. The third day he rose from the dead. The third day he rose from the dead. The third day he arose from the dead. The third day he rose from the dead. Third day he rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven and ascended at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 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 This is a reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word, my brethren, to leave for Galilee, and they will see me. First, let me speak a word of thanks to Scott Kaplinger for sharing our scripture with us this morning. Scott, you did a wonderful job of reading. Who hasn't visited the grave of a loved one just to be close to them? One friend said recently that she had gone to the cemetery in order to be close to a loved one of hers who had recently died. All that she had in mind was simply to weep there. It has far, far more to do with our spirits than it does with the body. But the body is vital because we are so connected with each other in this way. Two women who had been with Jesus since his earliest days, who had felt affirmed by him and welcomed by him into the company of those that were a part of his ministry. They followed Jesus 
even up to his death on the cross. As Matthew records the story, they stood with a number of other women and watched from a distance as Jesus' life drained from his body and as he took in his last breath and released his spirit to God. They were there looking as well from a distance as Joseph of Arimathea came and with permission took Jesus' body to that new tomb and had the stone rolled in place, fixed forever to seal in the body of this precious one. The story was over as far as they knew. In fact, the guards that saw them approaching the tomb that very morning would have agreed with them because they were standing there in order to make sure that the story was over. But then the unbelievable happened because as Matthew tells the story, there was a great earthquake that came with such suddenness that it struck them all dumb for just a moment. In fact, the guards, it was almost as if they were dead. Where cemeteries are concerned and tombs, all of life is static. There is nothing that is animated. And yet on that day, it all went beyond imagining. The story is told of Einstein who at dinner parties loved to clap his hand and wait two seconds and then clap his hands again and then look at the friend standing next to him and say, did you realize that we've just traveled 30 miles? No one else in the room would have been aware of it at all. But there in his mind, he was calculating a thousand miles per hour on the surface and not to count the speed of the earth as it circles the sun. All of this happening and we are not even aware. Who knows the mystery of what was going on on that morning. But as heaven began to break in upon all of them, and as the guards were almost as if they were dead. And the angel who rolled the stone away sat upon it as if to say, okay, what's next? These women received word from that messenger who told them to go quickly and to tell the disciples that Jesus was risen and that he went ahead of them. In fact, the angel told them to gather as much evidence as they needed. He said, come, look and see, come and see that he is not here. Very quickly, the women began to make their way toward the disciples as these first missionaries, these ones who were commissioned by this angel to do the early work 
of sharing good news. Their hearts still filled with fear, but also in such a strange way, the joy of what they were experiencing. And on the way to see the disciples, they encountered Jesus. In fact, Jesus put himself right in their path. And when they saw him, they fell at his feet. In fact, they took hold of his feet. This one who moves more quickly than anyone could imagine. And yet stood quietly before them. Again, they hear this direction, this heavenly direction directly from their Lord's mouth. Go and tell my brothers, he said, that I go before them into Galilee. What a powerful message they were receiving. And what is it with Galilee? Why is it that he would beckon them to meet him there? Isn't this the way it had always been with Jesus? He moved out of his hometown, Nazareth, and up to Capernaum in the area of Galilee in order that he would have a place among the people that were a part of his life. At the first of Matthew's telling of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as Jesus is beginning his ministry, these are the words that Matthew chooses. He says, Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. He is always going ahead of us. In fact, I think maybe that is most what this telling of Easter is all about. Oh, he's always going ahead of us to include the likes of us in his love. Can you imagine that he chose the word brother to describe his disciples? He said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers, these who had denied knowing him, these who escaped from the guards that were arresting him, these who seem so ignorant of the greater plan of his ministry. And yet he called them his brothers. You and I know this embrace of Christ. You and I know the closeness that he wishes to bring. Sue and I have a dear friend who is hard of hearing. A few years ago, she invested in some very fine hearing aids. And she said that they came with a Bluetooth device that she could place a microphone, clipping it 
on the lapel of whomever might be speaking at a study group or at a symposium. And so she went to one of these symposiums and asked the speaker, a lady that was there, very well known, she asked if she might clip the microphone to the very top of her blouse. And that she did with the speaker's permission. And it wasn't shortly, but after the speaker was beginning to speak, that the microphone became dislodged and dropped down into that blouse. Our friend told us, she said, I couldn't hear a word that she said, but I could hear her heart very plainly as it beat. How is it that you are in your relationship with God? Do you know his love? Do you know the deep meaning of Easter? That as Christ comes back to life for us, that he comes to share with us his very heart, every ounce of who he is. We are his brothers. We are his sisters. To God be all praise for his resurrected son, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus, our Christ. Amen. For three years, they had eaten, breathed, and drank Jesus. It was the place where they found their hope. They were so excited about what was to come. There were times where they needed food and Jesus provided. There were times that they had tax issues. Who'd they turn to? Jesus. Who decided where they were gonna be from this day to the next? Jesus. And in the early years, it was, it was wonderful. The miracles, the excitement, the, the possibilities for change. It was going to be, it was going to be a new world. But one Friday night, it came to an end. They watched as Jesus was nailed to the cross. And they watched him die. Joseph of Arimathea was kind enough to provide a grave. And they took him down before the Sabbath. And they placed him in a grave without proper preparation. Because it needed to be done. It needed to be done quickly. That Sabbath was a dark time. Their hopes had been dashed. They were now bewildered. Everything they counted on was gone. Everything that they had looked to for hope was finished. Their direction was no longer. And in their bewilderment and in their mourning, I imagine they couldn't sleep. We're in a unique situation.
unique in a way that we can relate to the disciples possibly in ways that we never have. There's a lot of us this Easter that have given our lives to a lot of things. Those things held our hopes. Those things were our direction. Those things were our peace and security for the future. And now, maybe like the disciples, we find ourselves bewildered. And some of us didn't sleep well last night. It was during this time that the women, before daybreak, which, you know, a Jewish custom uh, would have said that the Sabbath ended at sunrise, but they were, before daybreak, they were driven from their, their bed by, by morning, by the love for Jesus, for the loss, for not knowing what else to do, maybe even just being stir-crazy. The scripture said that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary headed out for the tomb. And on their way, something happened. And something major happened in Matthew 28. Verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. The angel answered and said to the women, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here, he's risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go on quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, and there you shall see him. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy, and did run and bring his disciples to the world. A lot of times Easter can slip into the realm of tradition. And it can become about a lot of things. It can come, become about clothes or eggs or the Easter Bunny, or maybe even the busyness of getting together for church events. But this Easter, I believe it's really important that this Easter, that it's about Jesus being alive. I want to share with you some things to encourage you about Easter. And, and the first thing is, is that the world threw everything it had at Jesus and they couldn't beat him. Jesus said it like this. He said, I tell you these things that you may have peace. While you're in this world, you're going to have trials and tribulations. But be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. This Easter, I want us to remember the fact that death, hell, and the grave could not take Jesus down. Sin could not take Jesus down. And I know right now we're surrounded by a lot of things that look like they're going to absolutely take us out. But if we're in Christ... We have a promise. That's the reason why he said, I tell you these things that you may have peace. 
Because if you're walking with me, we overcome the world. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors. The second thing I want you to hear this morning about Easter, I want you to be encouraged by, is this. Jesus is alive. When he was on the earth, he walked with his disciples. He encouraged them. He talked to them. He corrected them. He loved them. And that's the kind of relationship that Jesus wants to have with you. And Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. The good news is, is that in this time of sheltering in place, where things can get really lonely or really dicey, that God wants to have a relationship with us through Christ in the same way that Jesus had a relationship with the disciples in the New Testament. He wants to have that relationship with his disciples here and now. Easter says that Jesus is alive and he wants to walk with you. Easter also says that the mission's not over. I love the fact that these people, this group, gave everything in their lives. I mean, put everything on hold. I mean, absolutely walked away from it to fulfill the mission of Jesus, to let the world know, uh, to repent that the kingdom of God was, was here, was at hand. In other words, that God wanted to have a relationship with them. And the thing is, is you can give your life right now to a whole lot of things. And you can try to get peace in a job and relationship and prestige. However it is that you have been trying to get your hope and peace in the past. And you can end up with a wonderfully mundane life and maybe an inheritance to pass on to your kids. But I feel like there's a greater legacy. And that is the legacy of having walked with Jesus and being on his mission and sharing the, the words of life with the world. That they may know that there's hope, that there's peace, that there's joy that can be had, that Jesus died for their sins and that God wants to walk with them. Easter means that the adventure is not over. It's here for you and for me. Easter says that the Bible is true. I believe that there's probably about three to seven hundred prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. But one of my favorites is in Isaiah and it, it says, Jesus was wounded for my transgressions. And bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by his stripes I am healed. That screams Jesus. That was written hundreds of years before he walked the earth. And it testifies to the fact that this Bible is true. And that I can find words of hope. I can find encouragement. And by the spirit of God I can find life. Easter also says that we can trust God. If you remember the part of the story where Jesus was in the garden at Gethsemane and, and he knew that his demise was coming. He had a chance to bail. He had a chance to, to, to do things his way. And he said, not my will, but yours be done. And here we are on Easter morning. And Easter testifies that, the, that God is faithful. That, that yes, Jesus died on the cross. Yes, he was buried. But even death did not stand in the way of God's faithfulness. That he redeemed Jesus' life. And in doing so, he made a way for all of mankind to come and have a relationship with him in Christ. And the last thing I want to share with you about Easter is this. Is that if... God requires a cross of you and me. And I believe he does. 
that he'll make it worth it. You see, just as God redeemed the death of Jesus, I believe as we die to him daily, that he will redeem that. Now, when I was a kid, I used to hear this phrase uh, that went something like this, give your life to Christ. And I would hear preachers say, young man, have you given your life to Christ? And it got to be so cliched, it was almost like a checkoff box. It was almost like saying, do you believe in God? I'm here to tell you that it's a lot more. You know, we really have put our blood, sweat, and tears into a lot of things to give us hope and to try to get us peace or to try to, to somehow get a place where we're at rest. And here in this time, many of us are finding that we've not met that mark, that those things have not brought us peace. In fact, those things have disappeared. What would happen if you took this kingdom that you've been building or I took this kingdom that I've been building and I gave it to the Lord and said, hey, listen, I will not build my kingdom anymore, but I live to build yours. I believe that if God requires a cross of, of us, that he will make it worth it. It's Easter morning and Jesus is alive. The mission is on, the Bible is true, and we have a cross to take up. And God will meet everything that you lay down. The Bible says that, that, that these momentary afflictions are just a little thing compared to the riches that are in glory. And I'm here to tell you that, that you know, you can say that's about heaven, and I understand. But I want to tell you this morning from personal experience that Jesus is alive. And the riches and glory I've gotten to see right here, right now. And they are found in that daily relationship with Jesus. That relationship was so wonderful and so sweet that every one of the disciples were willing to die for it. This morning, I pray that Easter is real to you. I pray that you've had a huge paradigm shift in all of this, that it's become incredibly clear that the world can't give us peace or joy. I pray this morning that you're open to giving your life to Christ or giving your life to Christ anew. And I pray that just as Jesus died and was resurrected to God, I pray that you will die to yourself and that I will die to myself and will be resurrected to the wonderful, beautiful, rich relationship that Jesus offers. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed.
Touch the dead spots in your heart and bring them back to life so that you become part of the good news that flows forth from this place today. May you be springs of living water in all the dry places on this sweet, parched earth. May the fresh life that God has given you spill over to freshen all the lives that interlink with yours. In your homes, in your work, in your schools, and in your neighborhoods, may you be Easter people this day and forever.